Come heavy or don't come at all You leave your peace at home, that's your call It never paid to be merciful Come heavy or don't come at all All right, fuckers. We're back. UFC. Recap 259, T-Man. Another episode of the Heavy Hitter Sports Betting Podcast, UFC edition. We're coming back after UFC 259. Israel Adesanya against Jan Blahovich. We'll be discussing UFC 259 and the madness that was that card. As well as looking forward to UFC Fight Night Edwards versus Muhammad. It'll be occurring this weekend. Lot to do, lot to break down, really. Um, let's just start with UFC 259, a card that had been hyped up for a significant period of time. Um, did it live up to expectations? You know what? In retrospect, it probably didn't. I mean, this is what happens, right? You overhype something T-Man, for so told, long. You told me that the, uh, you know, the, the prelims were were more exciting, and they were. You you weren't wrong. Than the main card. Like, in in all due respect to the main card, yeah, it was awesome. But, like, the prelims were just so exciting. Yeah, you know what? Uh, The main card, I felt, uh, really did not live up to expectations. The prelims really were the highlight for me. I mean, you had some great fights on the prelims. Um, Quickly running through, I mean, we had Dominic Cruz against defeating Casey Kenny. Kyler Phillips beating Song Yadong. Kyler Phillips looked phenomenal. Really should have trusted my initial thought, my initial gut instinct of going with Kyler Phillip over Song Yudong. I talked myself out of it. Uh, Kyler Phillip picks up a, a well-fought victory. Askar Askarov making Joseph Benavidez really look like his age, 36 yeah, years old. That was incredible. Um, Askar Askarov, really, he should be the guy um, at flyweight, probably for the next title shot after they settle the whole uh, um, beef between, um, or not beef, but they settle the score between uh, Davison Figueroa and Brandon Moreno. Um, K. Cara France against Rogero Bontorin. Um, I mean, amazing. Rogerio wins large majority of the first round. Uh, K. Cara France gets up from the bottom. Uh, and I saw it, some beef on Twitter about that one too today, actually, with uh, with France, uh, making making him look like he went to went to sleep there with the picture of how he's rolling on the with his head down there. Looks it looks good. A lot of beef on Twitter. Uh, after this one, eh, team? Yeah, you know what? There, there's been a huge fallout on Twitter, and obviously we're going to discuss that quite in depth. I, I'm saving my uh, my steam, so to speak, for for the one fight that I think is everyone on everyone's mind, um, Aljamain Sterling against Petrion. Well, we got to be careful with what we say here. But, uh, uh, cho- choice words, we'll, we'll put it that yeah. way. Um, and then in the early preliminary card, great fights. Uh, Sean Brady came out, looked impressive against Jake Matthews. He did Son, Son Brady, obviously the fighter that uh, a lot of hype surrounding, uh, people believing him to be kind of the future of the welterweight division. Um, Tim Elliott, uh, he was actually the first play of the night against uh, Jordan Espinoza. Um, Tim Elliott looked great. He was really a great play. Uh, a lot of people were on him, but you know what? Uh, at an underdog price, how could you not be? I think initially, I think uh, when the fight started, he was no longer an underdog, but... Uh, we on the podcast we got him at 2.0 odds um and really he won every round he really it didn't even look like he should have been an underdog in there um great first bet to cap off the night um we had taken joseph benavides i decided to pull the trigger on that obviously in retrospect didn't look the greatest askar askarov impressed me with his striking 
Um, he came out, he had a, a nice front snap kick right off the bat that really kept Joseph Benavides at distance. Um, Joseph looked his age. That was the biggest thing. He looked slow. He looked tentative in there. Um, he was swinging at air. One thing that I underestimated was how big Askar Askarov is. Um, like he's gangly. You see a picture of him. He doesn't look that big. He doesn't look that muscular, but, uh, just a very big frame. Um, Dominic Cruz, I, this is something that I had wish I pulled the trigger on. Dominic Cruz uh, uh, grinds out a win against Casey Kenny. Very tight fight. Very yeah. tight, but good on Cruz. Yeah, uh, Cruz, I, I I question whether he's going to be able to compete with the top upper echelon of the This kind of, might be a fight that gets his feet wet again and kind of leads into greater things, but uh, definitely a close-fought victory over Casey Kenny. Um, yeah, I touched on earlier, Kyler Phillips against Song Yedong. Kyler Phillips first two rounds looks absolutely phenomenal uh third round he definitely slowed down song yedong really started to kind of put it together so to speak uh but yeah let's move on to the main card because the main card obviously has a lot to talk about uh alexander rakic against diego santos this was your play t-man i said it was going to be a boring fight and uh sure enough we we kick off the card with a boring fight never have i ever been so happy that we were going to have a boring fight um, you know, I expected a distance fight, boring fight. I expected a lot of wrestling out of Rakic. That was the big difference. Rakic really employed a, a striking heavy game plan, obviously using a lot of leg kicks. Um, yeah, a lot, not a lot happened. I, there's not much to say. Islam Makachev fought Drew Dober. I actually was impressed with Drew Dober. I uh, felt he survived and handled uh, certain positions relatively well. Um, I mean, you had to have sort of feel that this was an Islam Makachev win. Uh, Drew Dober was just built. For Islam Makachev, very little ground game. But Drew Dober got out of the arm bar in the first round, and I was sweating. I took Islam Makachev to win by decision. Um, but Islam was able to get it done in the third round uh, with an uh, arm triangle choke. Uh, good on Islam. He's asking for Tony Ferguson next. Uh, to be completely frank, I don't want to be one of these guys that starts hating on a fighter after they lose. But uh, Islam Makachev's the man. He's the real deal right you now. Think, you think he's... He's going to be very tough moving forward here. I, I think so. You know, uh, I, I don't know if you put him in, say, like a title shot contention right now, how he fares. Um, but I think you start giving him bigger names. Absolutely. His confidence will grow. You need to build his name, I think, a little bit more. Um, Do you think Tony Ferguson is a is a fair fight? For him? I, I think Tony, Tony Ferguson would be a good fight. He was calling out Tony Ferguson as, as well as uh, uh, RDA. Yeah. Um, RDA, I think uh, that was a fight that was scheduled in the past but fell out. Uh, I think he would have his way with RDA. He beat RDA. RDA yeah. just struggles against powerful wrestlers. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited to see what they do with Ilzan Makachev. Obviously, he had been out for a little bit uh, prior to the Drew Dober fight. Good to see him back. Good to see him get a win. I'm going to skip skip the Aljamain Sterling fight against Petra Yan. I'm just going to go straight to Amanda Nunes. I'll come back to the Yan fight. I just have lots to talk. About I have a lot one. to say there. Uh, Amanda Nunes, Megan Anderson. You know what? I saw a lot on Twitter about. Taking Megan Anderson by KO, taking a Megan Anderson just to win, just because her odds were just astronomical. Um, and God, what happens? And Megan Anderson absolutely gets nothing, nothing. Doesn't offer a single ounce. You know what? Of it's, fight. It's almost embarrassing, and I feel bad saying this because you know we're we're not fucking that great either. But like, if you put money on Megan Anderson, my God, like God bless you. That was just embarrassing. Uh, I feel bad uh, for you because like that was <laughs> the quickest, quickest loss I've I've seen in a long time. Like there was no chance for that girl. It's just none. It's just you know what she. It, what's tough is that you feel that there should have been moments for her, right? It wasn't say a flash KO, 
but it, it, she got nothing going, no offense. Um, like the odds were there for a reason. Yeah. Nunez was a minus whatever the fuck favorite for that reason. There's no, there's no denying that. What, what's crazy too is Megan Anderson recently came out on her uh, Twitch stream and announced that the featherweight division would be closing down as well as she was no longer with the UFC. Um, what really might be happening here is that she opted not to re to re-sign with the UFC um, on her final fight of the contract, thinking, oh, I'll re-sign when I'm the champ. I saw Jack Slack with that take, and you know what? He's probably correct. Um, it, it's tough. Uh, I know in the post-fight press conference, Dana White said that he'll keep the featherweight division around if Amanda Nunes would like to con continue competing there. But really, th there just doesn't feel like there's a lot of talent at featherweight. It doesn't feel like the UFC wants to invest much time into a division, to be completely honest. It almost seems a bit like a, a sideshow uh, freak show division. When uh, Cyborg was with the UFC, it really felt like just a, uh, almost like in King Kong where they lead out the woman and then King Kong comes out and just takes her off the pillars. Yeah, the, no, native, no. the native vi villagers go crazy. Yeah, kind of no. feels Okay. Uh, next up, we had Jan Blanchowicz against Israel Adesanya. You know, there was always a realm of possibility that uh, I, I said Jan could win. Um, what I didn't expect was him to win a unanimous decision. I'm going to be completely honest yeah. with you. I really thought he was going to either get a KO or if it went to a decision, which I did say on the podcast, that was a very high possibility. I figured if it would have gone to decision, Israel would be the one taking it. After but, uh, which most people said, that Israel had won the first two rounds. You know, and then Jan goes on to win three. And and, and that's what's crazy is um, I did I thought Israel was doing extremely well. Um, I can't quite remember if I gave him the first two rounds, but I believe I, I'm thinking the, th the first two rounds. The third round, I believe, was a toss up. But when Jan started using the wrestling, uh, really, he there was Israel had no answer. I guess his top pressure was just far too great for Israel to really be able to stand up. And uh, it was glaring, to be completely honest. It was glaring. Israel had no answer at the bottom. So fifth round rolls around. Obviously, Yan's going to take him down. Um, but he wins the unanimous decision. And you know what? You've got to respect Jan Blanchowicz because, I mean, think about this. Jan comes to the UFC in, God, when is it? 2014. In his first six fights, he goes two and four. This is a man who loses to Jimmy Manawa, Corey Anderson, Alexander Gustafson, Patrick Cummings. Puts it all together after that. Four-fight four win streak, then loses to Tiago Santos in the TKO. Since the loss of Tiago Santos, I mean, went over Luke Rockhold, Ronald Souza, Corey Anderson, Dominic Reyes, and then Israel Adesanya. All at the age, from going from a fighter that not, not many people had much high hopes for, to being the champ, and not only being crowned the champ over a win over Dominic Reyes, but then to beat Israel Adesanya, somebody who really is is probably considered one of the top of our sport right now and who is being talked about as if he's going to be the GOAT. Uh, I mean, very impressive. Can you put can you put those rumbles to bed, T-Man? Yeah, you know what? There was a, there were, I, I know you had something about John Jones and Israel and you want to you want to kind of put those to bed right now. John Jones Israel Adesanya, you know what? When this was talked about I initially shrugged it off. I said, John Jones is just too big against Israel Adesanya. I also admitted last podcast that I was a little bit of an Israel Adesanya hater. And of course, the one time I back him is the time he loses. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I had always felt that John Jones would just be too big. And frankly, what we've seen on Saturday night cemented that. John Jones would just grapple 
the, the hell out of Israel Adesanya. It just wouldn't be fair. Uh, I mean, Jan Blanchowicz, amazing top pressure. John Jones, in my opinion, is going to bring just as good of a top pressure. I also think Jones would be able to keep it a competitive striking affair being such a tall, rangy fighter. I mean, this is a guy who's one of the longest reaches in UFC history. I mean, he's comparable to Stefan Struve when Stefan Struve used to fight in the UFC. Um, just such the, the size difference would be slightly too much. Um, I would have to say the size difference probably played a factor here in the sense of as soon as it got to the ground, Jan was just too physically strong and just too heavy for Israel to get off. Um, yeah, it's Israel likely going to go back to the middleweight division. He said he'd like to come back to light heavyweight and fight. Um, it, it w- maybe we'll see down the line. I, I don't think a return to light heavyweight anytime soon would be good. Go defend the middleweight belt. He's still fantastic. He's still a fantastic fighter. Um, it just wasn't his night. Jan Blahovich is probably going to fight a Glover Teixeira next. Um, in a fight that can, to be honest, you can't bet against Glover. This is the battle of two underdogs. Two guys that seem to be underdogs every fight, but they both find a way to win. Um, but one underdog's got to win, right? I, I, to be honest, at first thought, I would lean Jan Blahovich. Um, but yeah, hats off to Jan Blahovich. Fantastic. Don't but, doubt Glover, though, right? Never doubt Glover. Never doubt Glover. You and I have both uh, made a, a nice Pretty little good profit, profit from him. Yeah. Betting on Glover. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but, anyways, let's talk about what we really want to talk about here Aljamain Sterling against Petra Jan. Um, Wow. Oh, boy. Wow. Oh, man. Where do we even start? You know what? I had a lot of satisfaction watching this. There were so many people on Aljamain Sterling uh, to the point where, as a better, you start to doubt yourself. I really felt that Petra Jan was going to win this fight. I thought this would, the odds were completely incorrect. I thought Petra Jan would be the better striker. I thought he would be able to defend the takedown. Um, and you what you were right, Timo. Uh, At you, the end of the day, you were. Okay, so we give Aljamain Sterling maybe the first or second round, right? He comes out like a bat out of hell. He's throwing a lot of punches. He's shooting for takedowns. But here's the thing. Despite going out there, Petra Jan still looks great. Petra Jan's is stopping a lot of the takedowns. He's using trips himself. Whenever Aljo would get in on him, he would just kind of pin him up and then use a trip and take him down and stank over him and start throwing some leg kicks. Um, he even knocked Aljamain Sterling down, I think, in the first round with a well-timed right hand. Um yeah, I Petrion looked fantastic, and it really looked like he was starting to gain momentum throughout the fight. Uh, Aljamain Sterling significantly slowed down. Even if I remember correctly, as soon as Aljamain Sterling got dropped by the one punch, you saw a volume drop. And I did not like the announcers on the card, but one thing that I agreed with was them saying that Aljamain Sterling looked like he was forcing everything. His punches didn't look clean. His punches didn't look crisp. Um, it just looked like he was out there trying to prove a point, but that as if he had overhyped himself. It really looked like he was just out there. He had hyped himself to such a point where he was behaving like what he should believe he should behave like. But Petrion just looked like a cool, calm killer. Um, and then Petrion gets himself DQ'd by throwing an illegal knee to a downed opponent. Uh, I've never been so upset. Um, did you think it could have been a no contest? I was hoping it was going to be a no contest. But, but then down, did you really... Like, yeah, did you no, think it was? Or? I, I, you know what? So there's been a lot said about the illegal knee, and a lot of people are like, "Well, how do you get so high up into the level of sport and uh, without knowing the rules?" So he, here's my thought: I think Petrion knows the rules. 
He's a fighter at the end of the day. Heat of the moment. I think a heat of the moment. Um, there was some discussion about that he he had asked his corner what he whether he, he was good to throw a strike, and his corner said yes. Um, there's a lot going on in that moment. Um, a corner member could have misspoke. A corner member could have not understood the rules. In that case, shame on them. They should be removed from the corner. They should never be in a fighter's corner if they don't know the proper rules. Um, Alg- Petrion could have been thinking that Aljamain Sterling's hands were up at the time, that Aljamain Sterling, when his hands were down and his knee, knee was down, that uh, he was playing the game, so to speak, and that when his corner said, you're good to strike, that he was no longer a grounded opponent. Um, either way, it was a bad, a really bad move. I And I do think Petrion probably knows the rules. I think it was... It, really at the end of the day, an accident. He could have been caught in the heat of the moment uh, where a lot of fault lies. And I agree with Anthony Smith about this is that uh, Pe- Aljamain Sterling should have never been the fighter to say, I can't continue. It should have been the ref calling off the fight. Um, don't give that option to the fighter because no matter what, they're going to look like a bad guy at the end of the day. Uh, my immediate emotions were not positive towards Aljamain Sterling. I was not thinking... Petrion threw an illegal knee, so he should be DQ'd and the win should go to Aljamain Sterling. I was livid in the moment, especially the way that Aljamain Sterling got onto the post-fight interview afterwards. I was pissed. I won't, I'll completely admit that. Um, and then the pictures roll in later of Aljamain Sterling toasting some shots with his team uh, with the belt slung over his shoulder. And partying, then uh, like partying. This oh, guy. it's just unbelievable. It's just, it's a bad look. And, and what's rough is uh, social media is not fair. It really isn't at the end of the day. Uh, Petrion did something wrong. Um, but Aljamain Sterling, I, I really believe he has not handled this well. I mean, just today, yeah, how about this, Stapes? There was an announcement. Uh, Matt Serra, one of Aljamain Sterling's longtime coaches, yeah. was no, not in the corner for this fight. He was a coach of seven years. Think about this. He was the jiu-jitsu coach for Aljamain Sterling. This was the first time he was not in his corner. Matt Sarah, well-respected fighter. This is a guy who dethroned GSP at one point. Okay. All right. He said, I've retired from coaching. I don't want to be help be helping out. Pe- Sorry, I've retired from being in fighters' corners. I was deeply hurt by the fact that Aljamain Sterling did not want me in his corner. So all this news starts coming out. Aljamain Sterling just does not look like a good guy, yeah. really. He, he does a post-fight YouTube video where he's talking about this is not how I wanted to win the belt, but Petrion did something wrong and blah, 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 and he's gonna they're going to run it back, and that's how he's going to win the belt and feel good. Hey, look, the MMA com- community can be fickle sometimes. I, I don't think Aljamain Sterling is going to get a lot of support. I don't think he handled it well. I think everybody, every uh, MMA pundit has been kind of critical of it, even Daniel Cormier, the MMA nice guy kind of said it didn't sit well with him the way the post-fight was going down with Aljamain Sterling. There's no way Sterling will beat Jan in the second fight. And, and what, what's unfortunate is that the odds are probably going to be absolutely trash. You're never going to get Petrion that that low again. Yeah, uh, because that's I, the unfortunate part. I, I think Petrion is going to come out like about a hell of a second fight. I, I don't know what Aljo... Aljo said somewhere he was tougher than I expected, uh, that's an understatement in my in my opinion. I think at one point one of the the fight stats was a one in eleven, so one takedown out of eleven attempted uh, at one point for Aljamain Sterling. I mean, Petrion really stopped all the takedowns. Um, he never appeared to be rocked or in any danger. Um, obviously, he has a high guard, so a lot of the punches were just going to the guard. That leaves his uh, stomach open. Obviously, 
obviously his lower body, which is somewhat concerning. I could see them trying to uh, use that to their advantage in the rematch. But I, I really didn't see anything by Aljamain Sterling that would make me feel that in a rematch anything is going to go different. He can't keep up that frenetic p- pace for five rounds. That's the biggest thing. And Petrion gets stronger. He's a snowball going down a hill. He gets stronger. So as the fight goes on. So God in a rematch, I'm still going to go Petrion. Um, but yeah, unfortunately the odds are probably going to be eroded. So it was a missed opportunity. Um, I lost a parlay as a result of Petrion, uh, losing, uh, very disappointing. Um, something that Petrion I'm sure is never going to do again. Who knows what is the reason behind that, uh, that accidental knee either way it happened. Um, but yeah, Hal Joe, I don't think is the champ if they run it back. Um, I think Petrion gets the win there. So yeah, that was UFC 259. Um, but you know what? We got a fight card this weekend. Going to be honest with you, this is a fight card that I think uh, if you're an MMA fan, you're going to love. I think if you're just a little bit bordering on casual, I, I don't know how much you're going to enjoy this card. Um, UFC Fight Night, Edwards versus Muhammad. At the top of the card, we got Leon Edwards against Bilal Muhammad. The return of Leon Edwards. Uh, this guy just can't catch a break. This guy was set to fight Tyrone Woodley back. God knows when COVID occurs. They shut down the UK border. Leon Edwards cannot leave. Tyrone Woodley. This the Tyrone Woodley fight would have been his big uh, his big arrival, so to speak. And what I mean by that is Tyrone Woodley's a good name. The average person knows who Tyrone Woodley is. It always appears that whoever gets a win over Tyrone Woodley is right there at the cusp of the title shot. I mean, look at Gilbert Burns, Colby Covington, uh, as of late. Uh, it's just uh, a win over Tyrone Woodley would have been fantastic. Um, he was set to face uh, Hazmat Shemaev, which a win of if Hazmat Shemaev would have won against Leon Edwards would have propelled him at to probably an immediate title shot. If Leon Edwards beat Hazmat Shemaev, Hazmat Shemaev was arguably a bigger draw, a bigger star than Leon Edwards was at the time, and that would have rubbed off on him. And so title shot guaranteed. Uh, but now he's fighting Bilal Muhammad because obviously Hazmat Chemaev fell out again. He's still suffering from long-term COVID effects. Very disappointing. In fact, he retired not too long ago. Um, we Whether that's a true retirement, we just don't know. Um, so yeah, well, who are we leaning with here? Look, if the Leon Edwards of two years ago comes out, I think this is his fight to win. Uh, Leon Edwards just uh, a guy who he came into uh, at UFC as just kind of a striker, but really has evolved his game. He uses, he's a pretty heavy grappler now. And by grappling, I mean a lot of clinch work. Uh, Jack Slack pointed this out a lot of when he's breaking out of the clinch with a fighter using a lot of uh, elbows. Um, love it. He damages his opponents quite bad. Um, just a lot to like about Leon Edwards. Very w- well-rounded overall game that seems to improve every time. Something I'm very interested uh, to see is that Leon Edwards in an interview was talking about that this two years off has been actually fantastic because when you're training for a camp to camp, you're not learning anything new. You're just refining what you already know. He's had two years off, so realistically, he's been able to learn a lot. And what he says is that you're going to probably see the best Leon Edwards you've ever seen. Uh, That could just be talk. One thing that always worries me is uh, your ring rust. You haven't fought in two years. What are you going to look like? Bilal Muhammad, on the other hand, has been busy. No Very denying busy. the fact that Leon looks like he's in great shape. He looks incredible, incredible. shape. Incredible. He, yeah. he, he looks like a physique athlete. Yeah. He should be on the cover of Men's but, Health right but now. But like you said, uh, the ring rust, right? That could play a factor. There's no questioning uh, he's going to be in great shape, uh, tip-top shape. But 
it, like you said, the ring rust, right, T-Man? So uh, you got to be careful with that, right? Yeah. Bilal Muhammad, I mean, he's been on a streak as of late, right? Uh, one fight in uh, 2021 uh, against Diego Lima. Prior to that, against a win, win over Lehman Good, uh, Takashi Sato, and then Curtis Millinder. Uh, my thing with Bilal Muhammad is I think he's a fantastic fighter. Um, he's a decision machine, um, and I do like that for betting. Uh, but the thing is, I, I think he is... He's not built for upper echelon competition. Um, I mean, he has two losses, uh, three losses in the UFC, Jeff Neal, Vincent Luke, and then Alan Jobin. Um, upper echelon competition, so to speak. Uh, it, can Muhammad win this? By he, he can definitely win this. And to be honest, I do see a world where he could surprise Leon. Um, he, he has good cardio. That's the biggest thing. Uh, Leon Edwards sometimes does slow down. It appears... Um, I could see a world where Leon Edwards might even come out strong the first or second round, and then slowly Bilal Muhammad picks up the, the pace and continues on for three rounds. Um, I could also see a world where he catches Leon by surprise in the sense that Leon's, again, ring rust, uh, maybe gets banks three rounds in the books, and then Leon Edwards comes out later strong. Um, and that, that's my biggest concern here. Leon Edwards is a pretty sizable favorite. Um, check this earlier in the day. I do not know how up-to-date it is. But Leon Edwards at the time was a minus 260 favorite. Do I feel comfortable enough on a guy who's been out for almost two years to, to bet on minus 260? I really don't know, especially when you look at the recent stat to prior to two, UFC 259, underdogs have been winning at a clip of about 40%. Dogs are barking. Well, the dogs are barking this year. So, I mean, somebody's going to shit the bed. Could, could it be uh, Leon Edwards? It seems typical MMA that something like that should occur. Um, I really don't know. I'm going to be honest with you. There's going to be no official plays on this. I'll be dropping them on Twitter, but I will say that what I'm leaning for for most of these fights are overs. I'm I'm likely going to be, make myself a little over over parlay sandwich. We'll put it that way. Over one and a half, T-Man? Um, you know what? On this one, I, I would probably even venture into the over 2.5. This okay. is the type of fight I think that's going to go to decision. I'm going to be okay. completely honest. Uh, I would lean Leon Edwards to win by decision, but I'm not a huge, very confident in that. But I'm doing. I'm thinking some of these fights. Um, we found success lately betting in the overs and unders. So I think I, I want to ride that wave. Um, moving on next, we have Misha Sirkanov against Ryan Spann. Um, really, I only see this fight going one of two ways. Uh, Misha Sirkanov gets an early finish using some sort of submission, or Ryan Spann ends up getting some sort of TKO or KO win. Um, you, you know what? This is a fight that I've seen quite a few people take the under on. So I think under 1.5, I don't hate that whatsoever. I actually kind of like that. Mirsha Serkinov usually comes out like a hot, uh, a bullet out of a gun. Um, and if he doesn't take out Ryan Spann early, I think Misha will be open to Ryan Spann's striking and Ryan Spann's explosiveness. So I, I don't even really know where, where to lean here. Um, this honestly, there's quite a few Canadians on this card. As a Canadian guy, I feel like I should side with the Canadians. Um, but honestly, I have no pick here. I, I, I'm, I'm in, indifferent to what occurs. Um, I don't trust either of them, to be completely frank with you. But an under 1.5, I, I do like that on that spot. T-Man, uh, I just want to interrupt you here. Talking about Canadians, can are, when are we going to touch on this Iga Tucker fight? Because this one <laughs> is probably uh, the one that gets me most excited. You know what, Stapes? I was actually just about to touch on it next. And you know what? I, I'm in the same boat as you. When I look at this card, there's not a lot that gets me 
uh, super pumped. There's Dude. some fighters that I like watching, like Nazrat Haxparas. Um, I like seeing him fight. Rani Aya, old, longtime veteran. I like seeing him fight. Um, Eric Anders, don't mind seeing him fight every once in a while. Leon Edwards, I'm excited to see him back. But yes, this is the fight of the card, in my opinion. Dan Igay against Gavin Tucker. The way Gavin Tucker fought, um, the last one he fought there, uh, remind me who he fought there, Gavin Tucker. Uh, Billy Q, I believe. That's right, Billy Q. And I remember a lot of people on Billy Q. Uh, you know, Gavin Tucker, who's this guy, Canadian, whatever. He looked fucking good, T-Man. He looked good, and I think this fight with Ige is going to be a one hell of a fight. This is going to, like like you said, you're probably going to talk about, you know, a potential decision here, um, and it's just going to be a battle. Two guys just going uh, chucking heavies here. Yeah, no, I I, com- I completely agree. This is the fight of the card, in my opinion. Um, Leon Edwards, Bilal Muhammad, obviously, is a, would be a close second. I think it's just a personal preference of Dan Ige and Gavin Tucker for me. Uh, I think Gavin Tucker was actually an underdog in that Billy Q fight, if I remember oh, correctly. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think no he was. I think it was very close. Yep. Um, look, uh, I was listening to Jack Slack's podcast, I think, yesterday. And he's very excited for this fight as well. He did quite a, quite a segment in regards to it. Um, and he mentioned that uh, Dan Ige doesn't always seem to fight the most intelligently. Uh, Edson Barboza, I'm going to be quite frank with you. I thought he lost the Edson Barboza fight. And uh, Jack Slack pointed out a lot of how uh, he was letting Edson Barboza off the hook. And what I mean by that is Edson Barboza is a fighter who does not do well under pressure. Uh, Dan Ige would allow Edson Barboza to get up against the fence and then would just roll off to Edson Barboza's uh weak side, meaning where his, where his power wasn't. Um, and then that's not what you do. You keep pressuring him. Um, at Dan Ige, somebody who has fantastic grappling, but doesn't seem to rely on it that much. Um, you know, when he fought Calvin Cater, uh, I had a bet on Dan Ige. I thought he was decent odds as an underdog. He really just got nothing going. Um, and then Calvin just kind of grew momentum and just took him uh, throughout the fight. Uh Look, I like a lot of what I see out of Gavin Tucker. I like his striking. Uh, his striking looks so crisp. It's it's uh, I, I don't want to say beautiful here, but uh, I, I just like what I see out of him. I find he flows very well. Um, it's tough to lean on some, uh, a fight. It's tough to make a pick here because I would lean Dan Ige. Mm-hmm. I think Dan Ige is the well-rounded fighter. I think Dan Ige's wrestling would give Gavin Tucker some problems. I think Dan Ige's striking is competitive with Gavin Tucker. But so, what you saw from Tucker last time, you wouldn't be surprised to see it. But that's the thing. I, I just, I don't know. And Dan Ige, like I said, I, I um, in my opinion, he lost the Edson Barboza fight. He loses the Calvin. So to me, in, in my eyes, he's almost 2-0 two, two and oh in his last two fights. Um, and this is a question, like, is Gavin Tucker upper echelon competition? Because if he's upper echelon competition, he, he should be able to win this fight. Um you know what? I want to take a stab on the Canadian. I'm going to be quite frank. I think he's an underdog, yeah, if I'm correct. Is, yeah. um, I, I would put a, a small sprinkle on that. Um, and also, it's just because I don't know that I trust Dan Igate to come out there with a, a super intelligent game plan and follow it to a to a T. Um, so, you, but what I'm more confident in is is this potentially going in over 2.5. Yeah. I really think this is a fight that goes to decision. Um, I'm quite confident in that. Uh, again, I'm not confident in the pick of Gavin Tucker Good as the underdog. Good piece, though, eh, for a decision fight here. Yeah, yeah. What what is a decision? 
I believe it's 1.44. Yeah, so this is definitely something you're going to have to parlay, obviously. Yeah. But, but that's what I had mentioned earlier. I, I'm loving the idea of parlaying potentially distance. Uh, Misha Sirkinov, Ryan Spann to go under 1.5. The Leon Edwards, Bilal Muhammad. Uh, haven't quite looked at the odds yet, but I'm probably like an over 2.5 or 3.5. Uh, Dan Ige, um, Gavin Tucker probably to go to the distance or yeah. over 2.5. Um, yeah, those look good. Yeah, those look good together. Yeah, I, this is definitely going to be a, a a parlay weekend for me. I, I'm just not confident in the picks. Um, just not a lot of like uh, probably good value with certain certain player or certain uh, fighters. You know, you, you know what? Just... Uh, sh- shout out to my boy Diehard MMA. He t- he tweeted this earlier today. Uh, the tweet says, "Who shits the bed?" He has Leon Edwards listed at minus two sixty. Nazrat Hakparov minus three fifty, Jonathan Martinez minus three twenty, and then Angela Hill minus three eighty. Yeah, somebody's going to shit the bed there. Yeah, uh, it's almost like you just want to take a dog just because of how well the dogs have been doing and how mispriced some of the lines feel nowadays. Um, but you, you don't want to blindly just choose a dog for the sake of being a dog, right? This is not a red coat bet. Um, look, yeah. I, I, if I want to do an intelligent bet, I, I think it's a distance here. Um, going down the card, uh, to be honest, it's going to be nice to see Matthew Nicolo against Manel Cape. Manel Cape fought, um, Manel Cape fought Alexandra Pantoja on UFC Fight Night 184 over him versus Volkov. Um, really couldn't get it started in the first two, but seemed to really kind of get it going in the third. It's like he finally came, a, uh, alive. A lot he's, of money coming in on this underdog, eh? <clears throat> yeah, he, he, uh, he's getting a quick turnaround. Uh, Matthew Nicolo, uh, definitely, this is a y'all must have forgot type of fight. Uh, this guy used to be in the UFC, all right? And then the UFC uh, had a, plans to cut the flyweight division, if I remember correctly. Um, so he left the UFC. Now he's since returned. Um, I'm excited to see this. I'm excited to see him return to the UFC. Um, this is a guy who looked good. I mean, when he was in the UFC, he fought John Moraga, uh, got a decision split there, went over Luis Smoka, uh, took a KO loss to Dustin Ortiz. Um, but yeah, like he looked impressive when he was here in the UFC. I'm excited to see him return. Uh, do I feel confident enough to bet him? I don't know. Uh, it's something that's probably going to be a last minute bet. Um, but you're right. He does. He does look like an attractive dog and there has been some money coming in on him. So, um, we'll see where that line moves here in the next couple of days for sure. Definitely. Uh, really only one other fight I want to talk about on this card. Um, we have Angela Hill fighting Ashley Yoder, a fight that was supposed to be, um, a few weeks ago. A few eh? weeks ago. I can't remember the exact card. Uh, look, Angela Hill's an extreme favorite here. Um, I think she does get this done. Like we talked about with Amanda Nunez, T-Man. Uh, very heavy price on Nunez, but you know what? At the end of the day, it was priced correctly. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I, I think... Uh, I don't think Angela Hill is obviously going to have the same type of domination as, say, like Amanda Nunes. Uh, but Angela Hill, I think, really should win this fight. I don't think Ashley Yoder is going to be able really to get Angela Hill down. And despite the turnaround we've seen in Ashley Yoder's striking, um, I, I still don't think it's good enough for Angela Hill. Angela Hill somebody who's really impressed me as of late. You know, this girl has a bit of a, if you just took a quick glance at her record, it looks like a spotty record. Um, but she's somebody that still looks great and that loss to Claudio Gedalia we had bet Claudia Gedalia and you know what it was something that was highly concerning I'm pretty scary. sure Claudio got, Claudio gets dropped in the second round by Angela and then the Michelle Waterson fight back and forth affair um we were just on the wrong side Michelle finally gets it done 
Um, yeah, I, I like what I see on Angela Hill. I find she loses to the upper echelon competition. Um, and I don't think, uh, Ash, I don't think Yoder is that. Um, so yeah, I, I'm definitely leading, um, Angela Hill here, but again, she's an extremely large favorite. You, you start to go into, is she going to finish this fight or is this fight going to go to decision? Our buddy, uh, Z rockstar has got a, another nice play on, uh, um, Angela Hill. Uh, he is Angela Hill. Uh, inside, by, the inside the distance. You know what? I, I don't hate that. Big plus money there too. Um, I, I tend to think Angela Hill would probably take this to a decision. I'm going to be completely honest. Yep. I could see a, a world where Ashley Yoder is really trying to get a takedown and she might succeed once or twice. But with the odds, why not try and throw that out there, right? But that's the thing. And you know what? I got to give props to, uh, to Rockstar Z. Because the Islam Makachev, for example, he took Islam to win by submission. A fighter who had, was a minus 400, I believe. Uh, he was able to get around plus 300. I'm talking off the top of my head, so I'm not 100% sure. But it, he, he was right. That's how you take a fighter who's priced extremely high and put some value on their name. So, yeah, I, you know what? Angela Hill, uh, I, I, to be honest, I, I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I'm going to go against him. I think Angela Hill gets a decision here. So I'm going to take Angela Hill by decision. That actually might be something I bet. I'm not. I don't. I'm not even aware of the odds. It all depends when it comes down to the odds. But uh, yeah, that's just the last fight I want to talk about. Obviously, this is a card that I like. I said I think the MMA hardcore MMA fans are going to love, but not a fight that I love for betting. Um, the official plays will be dropping probably Friday night, um, and then you know what? We'll, we'll probably repost them Saturday at some point. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a lot of overs and unders. I don't really feel confident in a lot of picks, but I'll tell you what, I feel confident in how, uh, how these fights are going to turn out in terms of, uh, are they going to be slow paced fights, fast paced yeah, fights endings, yeah. that we've done well with those type of picks as of late. So let's follow that trend. Um, so yeah, folks, there it is. Another episode. Um, yeah. I- Fucking UFC has been great as of late. This has been a great year thus far for the UFC. It feels good. And one thing I'll say definitely about doing this podcast is you really start to pay more attention to what's going on. Well, uh, that's just fight wise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I understand we love, well, I specifically, I love fighting. I, I, fuck, I watch this for, for hours. Um, but now there's more of a goal in the terms of looking over some of these fighters, older fights um, to kind of, foresee like what's going to happen next and you know what it, it, you get a greater appreciation for the fighters a greater appreciation for the fight game this has been extremely fun to do um i'm excited for another saturday night of fights man you know what t-man uh it's 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 another weekend with uh, another ufc card um you know the way they keep coming in every weekend that's makes it even you know more fun with uh with our soccer and you know now ufc every weekend too um, I just want to make a quick shout out here uh, to our to our buddy the the big units on Twitter. Um, we have uh, he's making some you know some great college basketball plays of late, and uh, we have uh, March Madness on the horizon here. Uh, I believe Selection Sunday is uh, is coming up uh, you know this Sunday, so uh, be aware of that. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have him on here. Um, we're going to take a look on, you know, who makes the bracket and whatnot. And, and he'll, uh, he'll probably break down, um, you know, what he likes and what he sees. And, and, uh, you know, we'll talk about that with him. So, uh, college ball right around the corner here, March minus another exciting time in sports. Uh, and we can't wait to talk about it. We are going to have one hell of a week coming up. Let me tell you, 
We are going to have the big units on. We might even have another secret guest for soccer. <laughs> yeah, we got to talk about that with our, our buddy Salty. He's, uh, you know, one of our, uh, our longtime friends, but, you know, very good uh, soccer player in his day and, uh, you know, uh, knows a lot about the game and be awesome to have him on one of our podcasts or a few of our podcasts for that uh, big city fan. Uh, trained and played with the likes of Jonathan David, who plays in France right now. So, um, yeah, no, uh, exciting times for the uh, the Heavy Hitters podcast coming up here. Uh, so stay tuned because uh, the sports world just gets better and better here. Hey, the momentum keeps rolling, baby. So you know what? We're going to wrap it up. Another successful episode of the Heavy Hitters Sports Betting Podcast. Stapes, as per usual, it's been a fucking pleasure. Love this shit, T-Man. Let's roll into the weekend. Boom.